This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm Scott Greenberg, also known as The Vine Guy. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Mauro DiMaggio. He's the managing director of Cantin San Marzano from Puglia, Italy. Now, this is a really unique area of Italy. It's in the boot of Italy, which I was just telling Mauro I've been to last last summer. I visited, what's the name of the village I was at? Alberobello. Alberobello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> God, that was a beautiful place and had just a wonderful time. Now, Mauro is the managing director of a consortium, San Marzano. It's located actually in the heart of Primitivo de Maduria. Yeah, Primitivo di Manduria, DOC area. Uh, yeah, I like the way you say it much better. Now, this is uh, an area of 19 growers, yeah, established in 1962. Now, this is a unique concept for people here in, in the States. We're really not that familiar with consortiums of, of winemakers, wine growers. And so, could you maybe take a minute and, and walk us through what is this this wonderful area? Well, first of all, let, let's talk about San Marzano, and then let's talk about the region okay. and sort of what what does a DOC mean. But let's start with the consortium and, and how it got started in, in so, 1962. Uh, so uh, let's um, let's say I am the managing director of Cantina San Marzano, which is a winery to which I am associated to because I have I have my farm, I have my vineyard, uh, vineyards. Yeah. Then the winery takes the responsibility to lead an association whose Italian name is Consorzio di Tutela del Primitivo di Manduria. And this association uh, comprehends uh, all the producers of this wine, Primitivo di Manduria. So um, we are in San Marzano. Uh, San Marzano is a winery located in this, you know, Puglia is a very long and thin region. Yes. 350 kilometers from north to south. It's, uh, it's, it's the southeastern region of Italy, so there's a lot of sun, a lot of light, and a lot of wind, because it's very thin. From one sea to the other, it's 30 to 40 kilometers, very thin. And we are in the area of Primitivo di Manduria DOC, which is... Um, Easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it's an area which is um, very good for viticulture. Uh, traditionally... Our families have always been vine growing, so uh, not all of these families have the size to run a business on its own. That's where the right. cooperatives come okay. to help uh, these people. I mean, we pick the grapes of many small vine grower f- families. About 1,200, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. I mean, that that's a lot of vine growers. So we give them, you know, uh, most of them uh, may may not be vine growers all the week. I mean, they have a very small garden, and so they need technical direction, technical assistance. And that's where the Cantina San Marzano comes. And then we take the grapes and we, we produce the wine and we bottle it and we market it and we pay our vine growers. This is the San Marzano winery. Then in our area, we have um, this DOC. DOC is a... It's a very European concept, as you know. Yes. It means that you have a, a grape, a piece of land, a territory, and the production techniques. These are the three features you find in every DOC in Europe. Champagne is a DOC. They say AOC in, Fr- uh, in French, but it's the same. Bordeaux is a DOC. And you always have these three features. So in our case, the grape is primitivo. The area is um, comprehends 18 villages. Okay. 
and it's called Primitivo di Manduria DOC, and the technique are uh, written in, a, in the production law of so the you, area. So you have to follow a very specific <laughs> winemaking. Exactly. Winemaking and vine growing. We start from the land, from the vineyard, mm-hmm. and then we go to the winery. So our laws concern either the vineyards, either the, the winery. Wow. How big of an area is this DOC? Well, this DOC is it's not one of the... It's, it's not a big one in Italy. The total production is... 25 million bottles. <laughs> it's not a big one. No. It's, <laughs> you, you can, I hate to see a big one. <laughs> well, if you go, for example, to give you an idea, a scale in a champagne, uh, in the Prosecco area, the Prosecco DOC yeah. uh, produces 500, 500 million bottles. 500 million yeah. bottles. So we are, uh, and it's two DOC. So really. So 25 million really is ex- on the smaller small. side when you because compare Because many producers. Right. right. And the consortium is uh, there to uh, to do things which private winery, private wine growers cannot do on their own. So the job of the consortium, which is the real owner of the DOC, is to take care of the uh, defense and the promotion of the DOC. Well, how did this all get started? Now, my notes say 1962. This started in 1962. Yes. Was there a, there was, was there a brainchild? Was there somebody who stood up and said, I have this idea? Well, it's it started because uh, in 1962 there was this n- uh, 19 vine growers who uh, were in the same area of San Marzano, and they um, they uh, they could not work their grapes on their own, so they had to work together. This is where it, it all started, and uh, we become as you as you said 1,200 so in uh, in 50 in 50 years, uh, and then in. Um, in uh, in the the recent years, uh, Primitivo has known a wide interest in uh, many abroad markets, and uh, we uh, we in, uh, we decided together with the other producers of the area to uh, make uh, to write together the laws of the of the of the production of the area, to uh, work together in terms of promotion to enter into new markets where it is difficult to enter on your own. And uh, to protect our DOC sign from people copying it, that's where the consortium work. Right now, now you you keep mentioning Primitivo. Yes, that's the grape variety that's that's in this area. There's other grape varieties, I assume. Uh, yeah, you know, if when it, uh, when you are a, a wine passionate and it comes to Italy, you always have the impression that Italians keep on uh, mixing things and making it very complicated. We have 600 wine varieties. And uh, in France we have 200. So this is yeah. very. This is really the richness of Italy, and every region has got its own heritage of uh, peculiar, specific vine varieties. Uh, the most important one in Puglia is Primitivo, but you have either Gramaro, uh, you have uh, Malvasia Nera di Brindisi, Malvasia Bianca Profumata, white wine, yes. white, white grape, right? White yeah, exactly. Grape. You have uh, Verdeca. Uh, Moscatello Selvatico, Minutolo, you have many different grape varieties, and this uh, creates a big interest towards uh, Puglia wines. So it's said about Italian winemakers that they absolutely love, the one thing that they love is is coming up with these very complex regulations, but the thing they love even more is breaking them. Yeah. This is <laughs> not, not paying attention to that. We, say, we, we used to say, it, it, these are not law, they're just suggestions, but it's... <laughs> The guidelines. <laughs> Very innovative. Yeah, Very innovative. yeah, so that's how I kind of, uh, you know, a speed limit sign for me. It's just, you know, it's a recommendation. <laughs> but somehow I always end up, you know, 
not heeding just to that recommendation. So we, you, you're growing Primitivo. You, you mentioned Negromano. Now, Primitivo, for Americans, we are not that familiar with the name of that grape, mm-hmm. but we're very familiar with the variety. Yeah, exactly. Here in America, we call it Zinfandel. Right. Which, by the way, very interesting because America thinks of Zinfandel as an American grape, American variety, right? So, you know, it's a big thing on 4th of July mm-hmm. to celebrate with well, Zinfandel because we think of it as strictly or uniquely, I should say, American. 25 years ago, there was this group of a professor from UC Davis in yes. California yep. who came to Puglia. They were winemaking professors. They were tasting wines. And they found out that there was this similarity in tasting profile between the Primitivo wines, Primitivo-based wines they were tasting, and and their Zinfandel. So they went back to uh, USA with a few bottles of this Primitivo, and they realized they had the DNA test done, and they realized it was the same grape. Uh, It is um, Primitivo and Zinfandel are linked, are cousins, and they come from a botanical garden in Austro-Hungarian uh, Empire, uh, in uh, back to the century, uh, the 19th century, uh, and in a village whose name is very similar to Zinfandel. So this is, they say, where the Zinfandel name comes from. Then you find in all the Balkanic area, I mean near the Adriatic Sea in Europe, in uh, uh, Serbia, Croatia, Macedonia, other cousins of Primitivo and Zinfandel, but. You know, it's this is the bio, the, the biologic part, but right. then you have the adaptation to the soil, of course. the, the winemaking techniques. That's why sometimes they are not that similar Zinfandel and Primitivo, even if they are the same, more or less. Right. No, I, I have never found those cousins to be anywhere similar. But yeah. When I taste Primitivo versus an American Zinfandel, it doesn't even occur to me that they're the same grape variety or, you know, from the same, you know, heritage. Um, but, you know, you talk about all of these different grape varieties and how they kind of spread across the region. Croatia, for example, right? There were, there were no borders yeah, exactly. per se back then. There was no customs agent saying, no, you can't bring that, that grapevine in. But, you know, so I think throughout the region, this has become a very popular grape. And then when, uh, particularly when the Italian farmers, who kind of were responsible for coming to Sonoma and Napa back mm-hmm. in the uh, early 1800s, in, in American history, uh, growing these these vines on the hillside because they kept the valley floor for their cash crops, right? So, you know, the, the, the Primitivo, now a.k.a. Zinfandel, was really for their own personal use. So it's kind of cool how it hitched a ride across the Atlantic. And think about how far that had to come, right? As a grapevine, you had to come across the Atlantic, and then you had to cross the United States, the continental United States, I don't know, in... Somehow the climate is similar from California to Puglia. Uh, It's warm regions. Maybe California is a bit more humid, I don't know, or uh, Primitivo is growing higher on on hills, higher places, while Puglia is very flat. But they're both very warm regions. And I think the soil, uh, uh, do you have uh, perhaps red soil in California, very rich in iron skeleton? I think we have more or less the same soil. So there are a few things which are... But, you know, and it's also interesting you mentioned similarities, the maritime influence. Yeah, exactly. For us, it's very important. Right. You're you're bordered by two seas, if I'm not. Yes, we are in between two seas. And uh, the the line of the vines are planted following the direction of the 
two most important winds, which are Sirocco coming from Africa, from the south, and Tramontana coming from the north. Otherwise, you would have the sail effect and the, the vine would would fall. So the, our vines are planted in the lines of Sirocco-Tramontana direction. Okay. And uh, we have this uh, influence of uh, of these two winds, which are very important because, I uh, repeat, it's a very warm region, so somehow the vine trees needs to breathe, needs to uh, res- uh, needs to get uh, some relief from the the heat the of heat, the right. uh, of the months before harvest. So it's very important for us the uh, sea breezes. And and do you have any <coughs> issues? I guess you wouldn't have any issues with mold or whatever because of these these breezes they get you know through to the grapes and they're able to to. I'm, you mean uh, with a disease like right. rots? Oh, yeah. It's uh, traditionally our uh, viticulture is a very, um, we call it aridocultura, which is something like um, managing the uh, small water you have in the fields. So we did not have traditionally problems with rots. Now in the recent years, uh, the uh, weather is becoming more uh, changing, is it, uh, rapidly changing from one week to the other. And so you, uh, we have the need to uh, become more professional in managing our vineyards because you have you have a potentially more problem of rot really? than in the past. Wow, yeah. it is changing. It is still hot, but it, uh, the big uh, heat for us, you know, we uh, uh, in agriculture everybody is talking about global warming and stuff. Our vine varieties are already um, adapted to a very hot climate. This. We do not think it's the problem for Primitivo and Gramaro. They've always been there in a very warm region. The problem for us is the adaptation of these um, vines to the, ch- to the rain one week, or the other week, cold the other week. This, is, this was not in the past, and it's happening now. And this, for us, it's important to face. So, so it's really kind of these swings in climate yes. change that happen from week to week that are really you, that now you have to adapt to as a yes. winemaker or I should say a vineyard owner. It's more a thing that you do in the in the vineyard than oh. in the in the winery. You do you do you irrigate in in the vineyard or is it all dry farmed? It's uh um, you you know the uh, this effect uh, of irrigation it's really um, a, a taboo in France. Because they tell you you don't have to irrigate and stuff. Right. Yeah. While, uh, but if it when it comes to warm region, uh, sometimes you are lucky if you have water in your vineyard. Because, for example, if you go, I don't know uh, about Fahrenheit degrees, but if you go over forty uh, Celsius degrees, yeah, that's which, hot. That's really the, hot. The the vine tree uh, stops to breathe, and as it is one system, it the the leaf starts to uh, let's say to suffer. And you need water because otherwise right. it will take something back from the bunch of berries. So right. it's we call it an help irrigation. It's not to feed the plant, but to keep him uh, breathing. Not to, um, uh, I, I mean, yeah. they they're always processing. They're always working with the light. And if they stop working because of the heat, they will take uh, quality back from the from the berries. That's why we irrigate if we are if you are lucky and we have water on that specific vineyard. Right. You don't you don't want the vines to shut down. No, right. exactly. Which is, happened last week. I was in Burgundy last week, and it was 105. I don't know what that is. I think maybe 30. Wow. Seven thirty-five degrees. Yeah. Right. 105 Fahrenheit. Very hot. Very hot in, for in, Burgundy. For very hot in Burgundy, and and the vines were shutting down, and it was a really concern for the farmers. Now the the good news was it was only two or three days, and then a very light rain came, and and you know, boy, those plants were thirsty. But you know, that's that's a big concern. Yeah. 
if if you get a heat wave like that and and you and you don't have the ability to irrigate. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's why so things are, are changing, and that's why you get more and more vineyards in England. You see, the borders, the northern borders of viticulture are going up. It's getting warm and hot everywhere, and for us, it's important to to find the best condition in uh, in the vineyards. You just gave me a great idea for another podcast. I'm going to have to do sparkling wines from England. They're very good. Some of them are very yeah, good. Some of them are very good. You know, we I, I, I get to try them from time to time, and I'm like, wow, that's that's English sparkling wine. It's, and very similar. I don't want to, you know, start a land war. You know, the, the Romans, in Italy, we always like to say we did it. Uh, yeah. the, the Romans planted <laughs> vineyards in the southern UK. Well, you know, the and, and of course, Burgundy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, and Burgundy's at least willing to admit that. So, um, if I were to visit your area, San 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 Marzano, San Marzano, perfect, molto oh, <laughs> bene. If I were to visit, is there a place I could go to taste these wines? Like in America, we have this concept of tasting rooms. Mm-hmm. Do you have any sort of facility or hospitality? The, in uh, generally speaking, uh, Puglia is at the time an agricultural region and a touristic region. The uh, wine tourism and uh, tourism in the um, farm is, is growing a lot. So you oh, have good. a lot of uh, sweet spots where you can taste wines, eat local food or just taste wines. This is more and more in Puglia, luckily. Uh-huh. And what about the consortium? Do they have any kind of uh, yes. facility? Yes, definitely. You come and uh, visit oh, us. Because I can come visit you. Yes, you have to. Yeah. And uh, it's um, the consortium is, uh, is located... On the sea, and there is a little bit of inland, so you have we have different spots where you can taste our wines in summer and in winter. So it depends when you come in. I will I will be happy to take you to the right place. All right, folks, you have to just look up Mauro Di Maggio when you when you go to Puglia. So speaking of tasting wines, you brought three wines for us to taste today. Yes, and I'm looking at them now, and I think now is the time in the podcast where we should probably uh, try some of these wines. So the first one, I have to say, a white wine. Super aromatic. I mean, I'm smelling this wine. It's just floral aromas are just leaping out of the glass on this wine. Can you tell us a little bit about what are we tasting here? So here we have uh, Il Pumo, Sauvignon Malvasia, Salento IGT, 2018. Normally, it's a red wine region, Puglia. We feel that we uh, can produce good white wines. It's a region in which fruit... And everything dealing with agriculture is good. And that's why you get very good fruit, a, a nice volume in your mouth. I, mm. I mean, it's a chewy wine somehow. Yeah. Chewy wine is a good description of this wine. You, you have it in your mouth. Uh, but uh, what is important, Our the goal we have in winemaking this white wine, because as I told you, we have the ripeness of the fruit. We need yeah. to balance mm. it, the freshness. So we need to pick, the, we need to harvest at the right moment. We need to keep the integrity of the fruit, the, the freshness, the acidity. When you get this, you have a balanced, good Sauvignon Malvasia wine. And, and I want to talk a little bit about Sauvignon Malvasia uh, because it's a blend I've never had before. Mm-hmm. You know, and I say, I assume when you say Sauvignon, you mean Sauvignon Blanc? Yeah, definitely, yes. Okay, so I, I just put this wine in my mouth and it tasted and felt like I had just bitten into a fresh nectarine. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. when you bite that nectarine, you get that... That juiciness, but the mouthful, right? You get the mouthful, but then you get that acidity and that tartness Mm -hmm. at the same time, and and it's all kind of wrapped up in this wine. Yeah, yeah, this is really. I mean, the acidity is good, but it's you know sort of that juiciness 
that's really dominating in this wine. I'm just, I'm loving it. I'm trying to think of what, what would I want to, other than a hammock, what would I want to have with this wine? I'm thinking maybe shellfish? You can have. What do you, what do you have with this one? I think I would suggest uh, shellfish, yes. Uh, spaghetti con le vongole, clumps. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. I think it could be cheese risotto could go with this. Okay, yeah. And uh, if we go on, we're going to get a really... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing we're going to lunch after this. So I, I have to say um, about this wine, it strikes... Now, this wine is the perfect temperature for me. I mean, it's just... Yes. It's cool. It's not cold. Yeah, and this strikes me as a wine you want to drink kind of at this temperature. Not quite room temperature, not quite refrigerator temperature. Somewhere... I agree. Cellar temperature. I agree, right? Cellar temperature. 55 degrees, sort of in that range. Because I think if it was any cooler... You would lose that fruit, and yes. was, you know, and the, and those perfumes. Yeah, yeah. We have, as a region, we focus on our autochthonous vine varieties. So in this one, this wine is a mm. blend, and you have a part of a, a local grape, which is this Malvasia Bianca. But then we have a lot of, as uh, as it is uh, an ideal region for agriculture, the international grape varieties uh, work well in our place, and so you have this Sauvignon, which has notes which are not. Like in northern France, which, but are more like uh, Australian notes. I mean, you have this ripe tropical fruit. Yes, it is very tropical. More than the vegetal part of a traditional Sauvignon. Right. There, there are no grassy notes at yes. all. You know, there's no green hay. There's no grass. This is very tropical nectarine. A little bit of guava in yes. there. A little, you know, just a, a beautiful, mouth filling wine. And I hope that's available in our region. I hope that. This is something we can find locally? Yes, we are working in wines from uh, Puglia. Uh, we are working hard to open the U.S. market. Yeah, yeah. We are We are on this part. We are in New York, in Washington. We are working in um, California, Texas. We are trying to open all our different states. So please, ask for our wines. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this this next wine we have is, we're, we're now heading into the red wines of Puglia. Yeah, so we are going to the core of the job of Puglia wines. Uh, we have a Negramaro. Let's say uh, Puglia is uh, a very long region. We have three noble red grapes. Okay. In the northern part is Nero di Troia, the less known. Then in the middle we have Primitivo. We will we have talked about it. We will talk later on with the last wine. And then in the southern part, in the Salento Peninsula, we have Negramaro. Negramaro means uh, dark and bitter and is grape. Uh, while it is similar but different from his uh, brother Primitivo because it, it still has a big structure, a wide structure, but it has a much more, if you are used to northern wines like uh, uh, wines from red wines from Toscana and Piemonte, Negramaro is much more similar because it has this a part of uh, acid and tannic shoulder which comes out. Right. So it still has southern wines, with alcohol and structure and volume, but you have more tannins than in a Primitivo. Yeah, so so smelling this wine, just the, the aromas on it, it the, the first word that comes to my my mind is rustic, mm-hmm. primal. I mean, this is there's just something necessarily, there, there is fruit in there. I mean, I mean, I'm getting sort of these secondary, smells rustic. It is, it is very uh, powerful. It has uh, a nice red berries, let's say, uh, you can find. Wonderful. It has um, it has six months of uh, barrel mm. aging, mixed French, wow. and Californian oak, 
really California oak. Yeah, we uh, we found it. We find it's uh, it has a good a sweetness to it. It's wow, that is delicious. I mean, it is very different in the mouth than it is on the nose, which is not uncommon. But I mean, this is just a delicious wine. It's super mouth filling. Great balance. You know, you talked about the tannic structure of, of, of the Negrano. Definitely some grip in there, but not overpowering, particularly since you're using, you know, California oak. Yeah, in, definitely. In this is, it's almost got, and I don't want people to think of this in, in terms of sweet, but it's got a sweetness to it, maybe a ripeness to it that's just delicious. You know, this is, it's, this is a great. I think it's, um, it's a good one for, if you think about, Grilled steak mm. or uh, this kind, this kind of meat. Mm. I think it's it goes very well. I would love to have it with lamb. You know the traditional. You got it. The traditional recipe for red wines in our area is you cook on a in a tagine. I don't know how to yeah, call yeah. it. Like terracotta yeah. near the fire, very slowly with a tomato sauce and ba- and uh, basil. Uh, the, these small chop of lamb until it gets very tender. Yeah. And, then, and then it goes with the wine. So, All right, I'm good. coming to your house. You're going to make that for me. And we're going to drink this wine with it. Because this is, this is delicious. And I, I think with lamb, because it, it has that um, wonderful tannin backbone to really stand up to the, the fat in the, in the lamb. This is just a, a spectacular wine. And can you tell us again the name of the wine and the, the, and the vintage? Uh, wine is Talo Negramaro Salento GT 2017. Talo is uh, a name of one of our families. It's just to thank, we thank one to thank them all, uh, so to give them a, a sign. And uh, this uh, Negramaro is, is, I think, it's still a young wine. It is, in our production style, we like to keep their fruits, so they are quite nice to, uh, to be drunk in their youth. But they, because of this structure, you, you can per- perceive they can evolve uh, they, so they will be they, they they change and they they are still good in five ten years no wow. problem yeah I'd like to try the, an older one someday but it's been, and it's Talo T A L O yeah exactly um, and, and before we leave this wine in Negramano now most red grapes red wine grapes right when you squeeze them there the, you have clear juice yes right and the only reason they become red is because of the skin of the, contact of the right? contact yes is Negramano that way or does the juice is no, the juice clear or is it? It's a clear juice. It is a clear juice. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. yes. Not like uh, Alicante Boucher where you, no, you get no, no, no. a dark it's juice. A, it's a clear juice. We have this, um, this the, the beautiful color of our wines be- uh, comes uh, from, the, from the, 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 the skin, the ripeness of the fruit. Fantastic. That is just, that is a beautiful wine. All right. So, unfortunately, our last wine. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have I'm a primitivo. Sad, but there's always a last wine. <laughs> Tell us about the last wine. Uh, so we are going to what is imp- the, the most important wine for our area, and Primitivo di Manduria Talo. It's 2017. It has six months of barrel aging, and this Primitivo is quite a versatile grape. You have to know that Primitivo takes its name not because of its primitive temper, but because it's an early ripening variety. So Primitivo means that it comes early. Primo. Primo, Primo. number one, right. Yeah. Exactly. First. And in, in certain years, it means that we start harvesting in uh, 
April 3rd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but last year, we were already harvesting in this moment You're, for the wow. white for the white grapes. Okay, this moment, by the way, is August. So we're, we're in August. Yeah. Because yeah. so, <laughs> I don't know when the podcast is. <laughs> okay, yes. Last year, we were uh, harvesting by the end of July for some okay. grapes. And uh, uh, Primitivo is a uh, is very uh, peculiar uh, temper because it uh, for for if you have a normal wine out of one kilo you do zero point seven liters with Primitivo you, you did you, you do zero point six so you have less water much more right. concentration right. why wow because on on, a, on the same bunch of berries you get this normal ordinary ripening berries and you have some of them which are dried so you get even more concentration there and if as, uh, and you har- harvest them all together? Yeah. Okay. Yes, definitely. Okay. And if you are in the traditional center of the uh, Primitivo di Mandure DOC area, you have bush vines, which have even lower production in terms of quantity, so bigger concentration. That's why you get this, uh, this, cherry, this cherry wine, which is a very strong and concentrated. It has, if you see, what the, the first thing... In uh, primitivo, it's the well, the, the purple color and the uh, the hints, which are violet, very vibrant, and this comes from the fact that primitivo has very soft tannins. Tannins are there, but very soft. They are there to balance the roundness, the sweetness of the wine. You know, the first thing I get on the aroma is like a black cherry liqueur, right? You know, yeah. sort of that kind of powerful black cherry that's really dominant. But uh, maybe it's young. But the tannins in this are very dominant. I mean, just, yes. You know, you, you put this in your mouth and you're, you know, it's a little bit like sucking on a stick, but not in a bad way. It's just, it's a very, um, the balance is great. I mean, you've got the fruit there to hold up to the tannins. Yeah. This, but this is a, this is a powerful wine and not anything I would ever associate. With Zinfandel. Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is great. You know, I, and again, this wine probably speaks to me, more of a region, mm-hmm. right? You can, I, I can taste, I don't want to say I can taste Italy in this, but I, I can. I, I, re, I really kind of get a sense of the, this of a place with this wine. It's just absolutely um, stunning in a uh, powerful uh, yet balanced and, and I kind of want to use the word elegant. I think you know uh, it's bordering on that sort of. I think you have the, there's this balance which allows you to use the word elegant, and the primitivo wines they are powerful in their youth, but if you wait for them, they lose this fruity uh, tani- mm. tannic impact and they become more symphonic. You have more notes to them, so they yeah. you, you if you wait for them. They will become even much yeah. more elegant. Well, we don't have time on the podcast to wait. <laughs> for the, but, but you know, what year is this again? Can you, can you, uh, this one is seventeen. You know, it would be fun to maybe try like a two thousand seven or two thousand eight. You know, something with some age on it because I bet it would really mellow out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, you, you can uh, you know, primitivo is really sexy on his youth. This it's very fruity, but then if you taste it ten. Uh, 12, 15 years after, it really changes, but it's still the same wine. It's very good. You know, that's that's how I describe myself. <laughs> I was, you know, in my youth. <laughs> I was very fruity by youth. Uh, yeah, I was very fruity in my youth. Yeah, now, now I'm just mature. <laughs> and something elegant. Inter- I said elegant. elegant. That's right, I'm elegant. And I'm now something interesting to have dinner with. <laughs> 
Well, listen, uh, Mauro, thank you so much. Mauro DiMaggio, thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute pleasure and delight to spend this time with you and, and to drink these wines for our audience. If you don't mind, could you just briefly run through and, and tell us again what were the three wines we tried? So today we tasted Il Pumo Sauvignon Malvasia Salento AGP 2018, Negramaro Talò Salento AGP 2017, and Primitivo di Manduria Talò 2017 from San Marzano. Molto bene. Thank you very much for inviting me. Grazie mille. It was a pleasure. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on another episode of The Vine Guy. Follow me on Twitter at The Vine Guy and catch my Wine of the Week segments on Fridays on WTOP and WTOP.com. For a complete list of the wines that we tasted today, please check out the Podcast One website. Search The Vine Guy. Sarah Beth Hensley produced this episode. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. And until the next episode, remember, do good, drink well. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, Ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.